one of the ways uh -huh. that has stuck with me about how you describe innovation is you're changing the question and the context for the problem. We're thinking about it in a larger way. You're listening to Health Pilots, where we interview people pursuing new solutions to healthcare in low-income communities. In spite of significant challenges, our guests are passionate and relentless in doing things in a new way. In each episode, you'll hear how they use techniques from design thinking and how they work with tech startups and how they create a culture of innovation in their organization. Every interview offers practical advice and new ideas you can apply today. I'm your host, Chris Conley. Welcome to Health Pilots. Thank you for listening. Hi, this is Chris Conley, your host for Health Pilots. And today I'm joined by Luke Entrup. Luke is the Director of Programs and Innovation at West County Health Centers, which has facilities in Guerneville, Sebastopol, Occidental, and Forestville, California. Luke manages the organization's innovation portfolio, helps drive the organization's strategic plan, and provides executive leadership for a number of their innovative care services. Prior to joining West County, Luke was the Director of Wellness and Innovation at Petaluma Health Center. I've gotten to know Luke through our work together at the Center for Care Innovations. I deeply appreciate his collaborative leadership style and the enthusiasm with which he pursues innovative approaches to care. I'm really looking forward to this conversation. Luke, welcome and thank you for joining us on Health Pilots. Thank you so much, Chris. Really uh, thrilled to be here and always look forward to uh, having these creative conversations with you. Awesome. Yeah, and you, you kind of have a whole line of um, uh, both creative, entrepreneurial, and uh, leadership background, trying to develop people. Can you uh, tell us a little bit about your path of how you got here and your present role at West County? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, um, I think people come into healthcare innovation uh, in a lot of different ways. Uh, for me, uh, my path was I spent um, about a decade after my undergraduate working in leadership development and organizational development. Uh, focusing on uh, cultivating young leaders. So a lot of training programs for young adults um, to, to empower them to be better leaders. And, um, and also a lot of work around uh, group facilitation, meeting facilitation, helping teams optimize and, and work well together. So I think you know, that was kind of my you know, first phase of, of my career. And I think that those types of skills have lended themselves nicely to uh, to facilitating innovation. Um, about uh, maybe about six or seven years ago, I decided to make a little swivel in my career and um, and uh, went back to grad school. Got a master's uh -huh. in public health and a master's in social work, and focused in global health. And um, about uh, let's see, about three and a half years ago, took a role in a federally qualified health center, Petaluma Health Center in Northern California and, um, and uh, took a role as the director of wellness. And uh, through some of the work with the Center for Care Innovations and with uh, Gravity Tank and um, have, have really built up that, um, the, the innovation skills and, and have started to, to build those structures in the, a couple of FQHCs that I've worked in. And uh, so my current role here is uh, at West County is the Director of Programs and Innovation. And um, uh, through this role, I, I direct the innovation team, which is essentially looking um, for opportunities to improve patient care and employee 
um, experience um, through changes to workflow and, and roles and also implementing new technologies. Awesome. Awesome. We're going to um, get into a, some of those examples in just, just a little bit. Um, one thing uh, I didn't put in, you know, I kind of prepped you for the interview. One thing I didn't ask and I'd like to have you share with us right now is paint a little picture of, of West County, um, the organization itself, uh, and then the community you serve. Absolutely. So um, we actually are in Western Sonoma County, which is about an hour, hour and a half north of San Francisco. Um, we're actually west of Santa Rosa. Um, okay. And we serve the communities of uh, Sebastopol, Guerneville, Forestville, Occidental, and the outlying areas. There's, uh, we cover about, our, our patients um, come from about 750 square miles. Wow. Um, so we were, uh, uh, some areas of our kind of catchment area are pretty rural, which mm -hmm. presents some interesting challenges around um, delivering primary care. Um, as an FQHC, we, we serve the underserved. And uh, so we have you know, a fair amount of folks that are on um, uh, Medicaid um, and some of the programs that really serve the populations that are most um, at risk for health disparities. Um, we serve, uh, at this point, about 18% of our patients are uninsured down over the last few years with healthcare reform. Right. Um, and so it's a, it's a semi-rural, in some cases, very rural uh, population. We serve a large number of uh, homeless folks in our area. Um, and uh, we have a fairly diverse kind of demographic in general, but typically uh, lower income, resource challenged. Um, and uh, really just a focus on addressing some of those core health disparities. Yeah. We have, uh, yeah. Um, I was just going to say, one of the things I think what's interesting um, to the audience and why we're doing these health pilot episodes uh, is because we're trying to show that innovation is possible even in resource-challenged um, clinics and communities, and uh, I find it super inspiring that you guys have a, you know, a population that I think I read 40% um, live at or um, below the poverty line. Uh, and yet you see innovation not as a luxury, but kind of a, uh, an essential thing to be doing in this, uh, in this community. So we'll talk a little bit more about that, but I want, I wanted you to paint the picture of the, of the organization because this is not, you know, a super well-funded healthcare institution that's got uh, resources coming out of their ears everywhere. Yeah, that's right. We're definitely <laughs> a, kind of a traditional FQHC and uh, non-private nonprofit that is definitely resource strapped. Um, yeah. And and probably one other piece that might be important for yep. people to know is just the services that we do deliver. So we have four primary care sites. We do, uh, we have a dental clinic. We have a, a a wellness center that's dedicated to innovative um, wellness, shared medical visits and services, integrative medicine services. We have a teen reproductive health clinic um, and, and just a, a, a kind of a, a robust, large uh, staff ratio around some of the enabling services um, and some of the kind of, to address some of the social determinants of health and getting people really plugged in, not just to a primary care provider, but all the things that go with um, living healthy lives. Nice. One of the things I'm going to try to do is um, uh, decrypt the 
advanced healthcare words that you're using. Um, and mm. you're, you, mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> you said a couple things in there <laughs> that I'm going to try to remember what they were and ask what you mean by them. So social determinants of care, um, mm-hmm. what, what does that mean? Yeah, so social determinants of health is, is of health. Uh, definitely one of the buzzwords in, in safety net healthcare right now. And what that basically means is that a person's health is not just um, determined through kind of biometric markers and, um, you know, um, the traditional kind of clinical measures. Uh-huh. Um, ju- you, we can actually, by treating a person in their entire environment, meaning their housing, their transportation issues, their food access and security, their social support, uh, their mental and behavioral health, some of these other social determinants, uh, um, we actually can really affect change um, on the on the clinical level. So it's it's really it's good medicine. It's seeing a person not just in the twenty minute office visit. Um, from the clinical biometric perspective, but really seeing the person in their entire environment. Nice. And um, I'm just going to use that as a a jumping off point for a little bit more of this discussion of getting into innovation, but hasn't that, um, is this new focus unique? Hasn't healthcare always thought about the patient in this holistic way? Or is that kind of a new thing? Um, I think, yeah, I guess it depends on what type of medicine you're talking about. I think, um, uh, especially in this country, yep. but with uh, one of the major factors, and I think the backdrop for a lot of us that work in the safety net around healthcare innovation and just delivering healthcare is payment reform. So uh, we are shifting away from being paid uh, by the visit, uh, a fee for service model towards value-based reimbursement, which means being paid for uh, changing the outcomes of patients. And, um, and so with that, it opens up all sorts of opportunities to not just kind of treat disease, but to get ahead of the curve. And mm-hmm. um, we've been playing and, and really investing in these kind of wraparound services roles like patient navigators and enabling services and nurse case managers for many years, in fact. But the system now is is starting to recognize that as a valuable valuable investment. And so I think this really is the future of of primary care in the safety net to not just, uh, again, look at the kind of um, rapid visits uh, in, in an office setting 15, 20 minute visits, but mm-hmm. to really get into where patients are living, working, going to school. And traditionally the, the ability to do that has been limited by how you're paid for services. You would be paid for a doctor's visit, but not necessarily uh, a remote check-in with a patient at home um, by a, yeah. a nurse practitioner or something like that. Yeah, That's right. One of the big um, limiting factors in the fee-for-service model is uh, services have to be provided within the four walls. And um, some of that is beginning to change slowly. And part of it is through the changes to the payment system. The other factor is technology. And I think that's where we've really been having a lot of fun in the innovation space is thinking differently about um, how we reach patients through technology. And for us, for for many years, it's been whether we get paid or not. And 
Um, you know, we've just been doing it because it's the right thing to do, especially as I mentioned in a, in a fairly rural area, um, uh, with a low income population that can't easily get to our clinic. Um, so we've been deploying tablets and iPhones and uh, various forms of, of technology to reach our patients in a different way. Awesome. Why don't we go into one of those examples? Um, I think there's, um, you know, for everybody listening, uh, there's questions in my mind like um, you guys have been doing it before anybody's asked you to do it um, before you were actually being able to be paid. So there's lots of questions there about how did you get that done in the organization when so many of us are thinking about, well, I can't because there's no funding to do that. Um, and then I think the other, th the other thing is um, just understanding a little bit more about uh, what it takes within the organization to pilot some of these uh, technologies. So can you take us maybe to one of your earliest experiments um, that you know about or that you're familiar with um, and tell us uh, tell us what it is and what it was meant to address and we'll talk about how you did it. Sure. So I think um, there's there's several use cases uh, centered around the use of, of mobile video conferencing okay. uh, and mobile video technology that I think um, that we've been that we've been using now for for a few years, um, and the need there again is that we're in a remote area. Um, so one use case is to actually that we've sent our um, homeless nurse case managers who are tasked with um, outreach and um, getting some of those patients that um, um, aren't kind of aren't always going to be plugged into care in a way that allows for continuity. Mm -hmm. um, so they may just show up when things get really bad and they may just show up in the emergency room where it's very expensive um, for issues that don't always need to be taken to the emergency room. So our the problem we were solving and um, continue to work on is how do we reach um, some of those patients that um, that for whatever reason they they they, there's barriers for them making it into the clinic. Mm -hmm. um, so we, we armed our homeless outreach nurse case managers with tablets. And uh, this is easy, out-of-the-box technology. It's just an iPad yeah. um, with, uh, with uh, wire, um, wireless and network um, access and um, sent them to homeless encampments, uh, places where we know that we already know that we have a, a large number of our patients are there, and to get to some of those folks before they end up in the ER. Um, and then what that technology allows us to do is the nurses have the interaction, establish trust and rapport outside of the clinic setting. And then with the video technology, we're actually videoing back, videoing back into the care team with the provider with the um, folks that are helping people enroll in, in various programs such, such as health insurance and um, um, food stamps and things that would, that would help them maybe get back on their feet or at least uh, have a slightly, you know, live a little healthier life. Um, and once that, the amazing thing about the video is that actually the, there's something about the visual contact and the visual conversation with the provider that allows for something we, we call the transfer of trust. So um, the nurse case manager is out in the field with these patients, and if we can get them on a, a video conference and they can actually have a conversation with a provider or an access coordinator or some of these a mental health specialist, 
they're much more likely to then follow up with with treatment uh-huh. and care. So um, again, it's outside the box, um, out of out of the box technology, super easy to to deploy. Um, and you know, I think from an organizational perspective, there's just been a willingness to to experiment. And um, when we talk about you know the culture of innovation, I think one of the unique things about uh, West County Health Center and, and my previous role at Petaluma Health Center, there's been a real, you know, as I like to say, it's just a yes, they're yes organizations uh-huh. where um, if we want to try something and it's reasonable, that there's a willingness to do some rapid testing on a small scale. Um, obviously, paying attention to things like risk management and compliance. Um, but yep. that we don't immediately need to scale the entire thing up, but to go out there and just figure it out and, and work out the bugs and um, see if there's something there to, to further um, uh, implement. Yeah, you're, you're, you're dropping so many uh, interesting hints and tips and uh, basically the steps that are necessary to uh, do some of these. And I, just with that video visit, I think that's awesome that, you know, the the rise of the the cell phone and the tablet over the last five to ten years really um, has impacted so many of our personal lives uh, many of our professional lives but almost we don't think about how it might apply directly to the work we're doing in our own in our own organization and that notion that hey why don't we take video out and see if we can't create somewhat of a care visit remotely and let's test it um, is such a is such a simple step and then eventually when that becomes the norm you know you'll be telling the story again and it's like you know nobody gave us permission but we went out into the field and we tried it and that led to this this and this and we didn't understand and all of a sudden you have a a new way of caring for patients and um, I think that's one of the things that gets um, maybe isn't recognized and when we start using the term innovation um, you know, innovation in the safety net, uh, it means doing something new that hasn't been done before in that context. Um, it doesn't mean super fancy solutions that uh, uh, require millions of dollars of equipment. So that's, it's an incredible um, example of getting out there and trying it. Now, your second, your second point is huge, right? Um, the organization that is a yes culture. Um, I had a, uh, another executive I was talking to and uh, he realized, and he's at, you know, he's not in healthcare, he's in a shoe company, a sports athletic shoe company. Um, and he noticed that all these ideas were coming up to the, to the senior management. And, you know, the, most of it was, well, have you thought of this? Have you thought of that? No, I don't think we're going to do that. No, I don't think we're going to do that. No. And he's like, you know what, who's responsible for saying yes in the organization? <laughs> <laughs> and I thought that was a beautiful, you know, question. Uh, and something mm-hmm. you just alluded to. So, mm-hmm. d- why do you know why your management is open to a yes, uh, and what it takes to be so? And again, I will emphasize this is not um, a resource-rich organization. So, w- what is the nature of that, uh, and mm-hmm. at West County specifically? Yeah, I think yeah, a part of it. So there's there's a few factors there. Um, Part of it's just history, and and you know this organization has deep roots in the community health movement of the '60s and '70s, and um, was one you know was part of that really pushing pushing community health 
clinics to a larger status. And so I think there's just a history around taking, and, and very early in the HIV epidemic, West County, we, you know, we, uh, some of the work in Guerneville was some of the earliest work around uh, delivering care to the early phases of the epidemic to patients uh-huh. here in the in the Russian River area. So there's this long history of not just providing excellent care to our community, but really priding ourselves on um, pushing the envelope around what community health means. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it really, it's part of the fabric of the identity of the organization, innovation. Okay. Yeah. Um, and uh, I think there's many, there would have been many opportunities over the years as the organization continued to grow to let that be diminished. And I think that probably happens quite a bit. Um, So, so, you know, there is, um, and I know talking to a lot of my colleagues, they don't always necessarily feel like maybe the senior executives are um, as they have as much of a kind of appetite for innovation. And, you know, that's one of the questions we often get is, is, leadership buy-in. How do you do that? Mm-hmm. Um, I think for us, it's been part of the innovation processes and just building the culture has been out of necessity. Okay, Being in a resource-challenged environment has forced us to look at solving problems differently. Um, uh, uh, so um, rather than getting bogged down in um, these complicated, expensive ways of, of expanding care and just throwing more money at solutions, we've been forced to, to think differently about, and that, that, you know, that's one of my great uh, ways that I like to describe, or one of the ways uh-huh. that has stuck with me about how you describe innovation is you're changing the question and the context for the problem. We're thinking about it in a larger way. So I think in some ways being resource challenged has forced us to be more innovative. And um, the leadership, I think uh, we've had enough small wins over, especially over the last three, f- five, three to five years around innovation that we built enough kind of credibility to continue to try new and bigger things. Um, that's great. So yeah. that's, that's a component as well. Start small. Um, and then finally, and, and probably honestly, the most significant is the support we've received from some of the organizations that are deeply committed to to cultivating and fostering healthcare innovation and safety net. So the Center for Care Innovations um, has been a wonderful partner for us. And, you know, the work that we've done with Gravity Tank has given the organization um, the skills and the language around human-centered design and and innovation thinking, which um, once the leadership kind of sees this, uh, the results of this, it really builds a lot more um, credibility and and appetite to, to try this in a much broader um sense yeah that's awesome that's a um a common pattern i love you're emphasizing the small wins um proving in small ways uh how the methods or approaches work thinking about it differently reframing the problem uh absolutely amazing and then uh when i think you said the the management team or the executives see the impact um, there's just, hey, why aren't we doing more of that? Or what, you know, what's what's next? There's a momentum that builds. That's really, that's part of the exciting and rewarding part for uh, people like you and me that are working on these projects that have to demonstrate impact. Um, yeah. And can yeah, you, I'd, I'd, yeah, add more, I'd add yeah. one more thing to that, which is, in, I, this is probably not insignificant, um, which is 
at this point now, you know, my role it does it it is a senior executive role, and so yeah. that also I think, and it was not always the case, uh-huh. right? So, I think that demonstrates that the you know so now there we have a director of programs and innovation at on the senior management team, and I think that shows you know that the organization is committed to this and building this this as just core to who who we are um nice. which wasn't always the case yeah, so absolutely well uh let's let's take that as an opening um to kind of see into the senior ranks at west county and kind of their uh their conversations around innovation and specifically i want to ask you in these interviews we always try to get at uh you know what the challenges are and what would you say um right now in this you know, this year or the uh, a latest project or uh, key decisions. What are what are one of the things you guys are struggling with, or your biggest challenge in pursuing innovation right now? Yeah. So as a smaller organization, we have about 200 employees, 15,000 patients a year. Um, we move pretty quickly um, around the ability to test rapidly and and to kind of scale things up. Um, Part of what we've done over the last couple of years um, through the Center for Care Innovations is to partner with um, health technology startups to okay. pilot new technologies. And one of the challenges, I think one of the bigger challenges we have is around just that, the contracting process. And so, you know, the idea, we may have an idea and a health technology company has a great idea, a solution that we, that we want to help them co-design and develop and get off the ground and and maybe an enhancement to their existing solution or or something along those lines and the amount of time that it takes to actually reach a, a, an agreed upon contract um, can be very difficult um, just the you know the back and forth and uh, and and it's definitely been a learning process for us as well we, you know just over the last couple of years we've really started working with a lot more startups and so okay. You know, our contracting and compliance department doesn't always know what sure. what these types of contracts should look like. So there's been a pretty steep learning curve on our end, and just the amount of time to kind of get the financials to match with the deliverables. Um, you know, we we're chomping at the bit to you know uh, the the innovation team's chomping at the bit to get to get rolling, and and we've ha- we've really had to learn patience around getting those pieces in place. That's so. right. I think that's an awesome example. I think that's um, going to become a theme uh, in this work and what the Innovation Hub's kind of the value can provide uh, the audiences. This whole notion of contracting uh, in these experiments. And we know that, you know, healthcare is a very highly regulated in, uh, environment. We have HIPAA rules and uh, we have a strong desire to keep patient uh, data safe and private. And, you know, that's what our legal departments are set up for is to, you know, create contracts that over the long term keep the organization safe, keep the patient safe. And how does that, you know, you feel the challenge in contrast when you're trying to run small experiments or do something as a short pilot. Um, so it gets uh, this, this whole theme of uh, the organization's machinery, whether it's in finance or legal, um, is set up to run much bigger, important contracts or long-term things, uh, higher budget items. And when you start doing small things, uh, they still get, uh, they get subject to the same uh, procedure and rules. So how do you set up 
uh, and we'll be looking to learn from you about this is how you've started to set up contracting in a different way or some, some of the changes you're starting to make or you know a light bulb that goes on hopefully in either the legal team or the finance team or a, an executive that stands up and says hey let's get this done um, it's we're not we're not trying to protect the organization in the same way as our other contracting fascinating yeah yeah that's right yeah I think you know um, related to that you know I think we've been we've noticed that it's much easier to get something rolling as it uh, if it if we're not necessarily integrating with our electronic health record and not accessing patient um, data. So I think you're right in that a lot of this stems from privacy concerns. So yeah. some of the solutions that don't involve using um, personal health information are, they excel, they move a little quicker. Nice. Um, great. So we're about uh, 20 minutes into it or so, a little bit more maybe. Um, and what I'd like to do is I think we'll probably have opportunities to talk with you again, Luke, uh, as we mm -hmm. go into uh, more detail on some other on some very specific topics. Um, but I'd like to I'd like to hear um, from you one of the things that you think is one of your biggest triumphs or successes or a time in your journey uh, recently where, you know, you really thought, wow, that's really working or that. Um, that is really rewarding for having done all that work. Can you can you share with mm. us one of those? Yeah, I'd love to. Um, so maybe about two and a half or three years ago, I um, uh, attended the um, the Innovation Catalyst training through the C Center for Care Innovation, which was facilitated by Gravity Tank and um, produced in partnership with the Kaiser Innovation Consultancy. And this is a uh, at the time, it was, a, I think, a two-day intense training around yep. um, innovation design tools and, and human-centered design theory and just a, a, a wealth of, of practical ways to help teams and organizations uh, think differently and um, innovate. And, and I, uh, I was at the Petaluma Health Center at the time serving in the role as the um, director of wellness. And uh, I realized, and I was the only one from my organization that did this training. Okay. And I realized that, you know, this was something that the, that the organization could really value or uh, benefit from. And um, I decided to take those tools and, and, you know, made the pitch to our leadership team that, you know, if we really do want to be innovative, we need a common language. We need mm -hmm. common skills. We need to be solving the problems in in kind of the same way. Um, uh, having this shared structure for innovation, I th my thinking was that that would really accelerate our capacity for innovation. So I actually took that training, the Gravity Tank innovation training, and with the support of some coaches and mentors, um, selected a team across the organization of 10 people um, across all departments, including like HR and finance and all the clinical roles. Fantastic. And um, did, yeah, did a 10 week training for one hour a week um, over lunchtime and took them through the tools. And, you know, of course, I was just learning them myself. So there were lots of, um, it was fun. We were kind of figuring it out together and yeah, playing absolutely. with and uh, did a lot of homework in between uh, the week. I sent them out to do a lot of observations and, and um, interviews and talking with people that were 
you know, experiencing various pain points across the organization. And, and um, in the end, uh, I think what that did was really, it did two things. It did, it, it definitely changed the way that me- meetings were run in the organization. So um, rather than people simply sitting around a table giving updates and um, jumping immediately to what you know, a small group of people thought was the best solution to solve a problem. Um, the meetings became much more interactive. It kind of flattened some of the hierarchies and uh, offered some new tools for being more creative about solving our problems. Whether it's a quality improvement meeting looking at clinical outcomes or an operational meeting looking at um, staffing issues. Uh, so some of the tools started to spread and it really, you know, I think it really changed changed the way meetings were run. And the second thing that happened is I think it really elevated the identity of innovation in the organization. So mm-hmm. the fact that we now started to have this common language and, and culture, um, people essentially t- took more pride in, in innovation as a core identity for the organization. And um, it, it's, it's become much more of the story about what the organization is. Um, uh-huh. and so... That's awesome. So, um, and this uh, this ten week training uh, is there. I'm just thinking, and we can follow up after the call on this. Uh, is there a way to share a glimpse of it in the show notes with the audience, um, or is it is sure. it kind of internal to uh, Petaluma? No, I think um, no, I think we're. I'm happy to share kind of the the topics covered over the 10 weeks. Um, they've, I, since I, I left the organization, um, uh, a little while ago and they've, they've, they've continued this training. Um, some other folks have gone through the catalyst training and as part of that organization, what they've established is that every catalyst that goes through the training then comes back and does another 10 weeks with another 10 people. That's fantastic. Um, so it's just, they've kind of, yeah, they've just incorporated it into that, program. Yep. And so I do know that the curriculum has evolved as well. Sure. You know, I think they've, they've, they've continued to refine it. Um, so I'm happy to, to, to share that with folks. Awesome. And maybe what we can do is follow up with them as well and have them on the show and uh, talk more about how it's evolved and how it continues to help the uh, organization develop. That's really great. Yeah, I think that's a great idea. Awesome. Um, so as you think about um, those listening and people either just starting to pursue or thinking about pursuing innovation in their own health organization, what advice would you have for them starting out? Yeah, that's a good question. I think, um, yeah, I think there's been, um, for us, I think there's been, I mentioned this a little bit, but I think um, starting small and just getting some quick wins um, is always smart. It builds builds credibility. Um, The other thing is to kind of for me, uh, I think it was important, especially early on, to demystify the word innovation. Um, How did you do that? Uh, so, I mean, I think it's just—it's in some ways it's rather basic. It's—it's it's yeah. not innovation is is kind of a shiny buzz word yeah. in a way, but when we really start to drill down into what it means, it's essentially solving complicated problems for the organization, or taking an idea that's working really well and applying it in a new context. Um, so when you start kind of breaking that down for people, it becomes a little, uh, the idea of 
of innovation becomes uh, much more valuable because um, when we look at our in healthcare, you know, it's such a data-driven industry. When we look at all of our quality improvement um, uh, mm -hmm. data and all our clinical measures, there's always a lot of problems to solve, right? Yeah. Um, and so this kind of, you know, a lot of the tools around innovation are are adding so much more to the traditional PDSA, not necessarily replacing it, but but really um, changing how we solve those types of problems. So I think there's a lot of, of value in in, um, in in that sense. So uh, the other thing I think I've done is, uh, which is kind of the converse to that, which is um, pointing out when we're doing something already that's kind of innovative mm -hmm. uh, or... or um, that I just pointed out, so it's about naming it. Um, yeah. uh, I think uh, what happens a lot in healthcare is people, there is a lot of regulation and, and risk management is a big part of it. And so um, it's easy to identify with that and and not and choose not to um, tell the story of how we're being very creative about how, how we solve problems. Awesome, awesome. Well, um, just so we respect everybody's time, um, I think we'll uh, bring this interview to a close. Uh, thank you so much for um, spending some time with us today. You're, you have uh, tons of uh, information to share with everybody. You're very generous. Um, and I think what's really cool is you like remain a student of uh, design, creativity, innovation, uh, because you want to help others. You want to help others learn how to do this. Uh, and it's clear with your leadership um, how much change you've already uh, started to foster in the safety net and the organizations you've been a part of. If somebody wants to reach out to you, Luke, how do they get a hold of you? Oh, uh, well, first of all, thank you very much for the <laughs> kind words, Chris. I always enjoy our conversations and certainly have learned so much from you and Gravity Tank and CCI. So I totally appreciate the that. opportunity. Yeah. 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 Um, and yes, I'm always happy to connect with people that are um, interested in healthcare innovation and uh, I'm happy to to um, share that via email, um, which is lentrup at wchealth.org. So that's L-E-N-T-R-U-P at wchealth.org. And uh, feel free to send me an email anytime. Love to connect with people that are interested in this uh, exciting space. Awesome. So thank you, everybody, for uh, joining us today, listening and uh, learning a little bit about how Luke uh, leads innovation um, at West County uh, health centers and uh, please uh, send any feedback you have to us uh, comment uh, below the podcast if you will uh, send an email to podcast at um, the innovation hubs.org and those will, again that uh, address will be in the show notes uh, it's been a great conversation Luke thank you so much and we'll talk to you soon all right thanks Chris You've been listening to Health Pilots, a podcast that brings you ideas, inspiration, and advice to pilot new solutions for care and the safety net. Subscribe on iTunes and Stitcher. We hope you take what you learn from the show and try it on your own. For more great ideas and stories, visit our website at www.innovationhubs.org. While there, subscribe with your email to receive our latest content as soon as it's released. Our show is made possible by the California Healthcare Foundation. Visit them at chcf.org. Health Pilots is a production of the Center for Care Innovations. Learn about all their great work to foster innovation in the safety net at www.careinnovations.org. We'll see you on the next episode of Health Pilots.